All right, switching gears now. Um, today's the day. Well, actually, yesterday was sort of the unofficial start, but today's the big day as more than a hundred world leaders and thousands and thousands and thousands of delegates have all arrived in Sharm el Sheikh, Egypt, attending the 27th, um, Conference of the Parties, COP27, as it's known. It's the, um, it's the annual gathering of countries from all around the world in the global effort to fight climate change. And of course, our federal government is there, um, with Environment Minister Stephen Gipol. Province also sent a delegation this time around, led by our provincial Environment Minister Sonia Savage. I think I read that uh, Edmonton's mayor, Amarjeet Sohi, was taking a delegation as well. Um, it's big. It's a big, big deal. It's kind of weird though, because I think COP26 last year in Glasgow was one of the first times that it really became major news, but, um, it's been going on for quite some time. So we're going to get some insight as to what we might expect to see and what we've seen in the past from Gordon McBain, who's a professor emeritus in the Department of Geography and Environment at Western University. Professor, thank you for your time. I appreciate you being here as always. Well, thank you. It was good to talk to you, Shane. So, Gordon, uh, we've got COP27 now here. I I think we all remember hearing about COP26 in Glasgow last year. That was a big deal. A lot of coverage, a lot of urgency. So it seems to me like these events seem to be growing in prominence year after year. Would that be fair? Yeah, certainly that's the case. The issue has been coming much more, well, first of all, it's been more dramatic in a sense, and it is more impacting, and it's also gaining much more, let's say, media and political attention. Um, I was actually the science minister's advisor in COP 2 and 3, <laughs> which were, in, as I recall, in Geneva and Kyoto. And uh, I think, the, let's say, the Canadian delegation had two ministers, and but no prime ministers and that kind of thing. It was a very lower-level yeah. kind of thing, but very, you know, still very important, but nonetheless uh, not... Uh, as we're seeing now. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it's been going on for a long time, but like I said, 120 world leaders expected to be there over the first couple of days at least, but thousands of delegates. So so who else is there besides all the prime ministers and people who will be giving addresses today? Who else goes to these COPs? Well, there are a lot of uh, representatives of environmental groups. Uh, a colleague of mine who's the advisor to the Canadian Assembly of First Nations is apparently going to be there because I just got an, an email from him saying he couldn't answer my email because he was at, off at COP27. Um, and uh, there will be, well, let's say, ones pushing for action. And I'm expecting, unfortunately, there will be ones who are trying to, let's say, delay action. Uh, the, uh, at least that's based on my experience in right. the past. The last COP I was at was the one in Montreal in 2005, and I which number it was but <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, but these you know these are very important big events uh, they build upon the science results and things that come out of the intergovernmental panel on climate change and the recent statement from the world meteorological organization the un's major weather climate agency uh just put out a report that's part of this you know, basically saying is that we are warming at a tremendous rate. This is probably, this last five years has been the warmest years on record. We're more than a degree warmer than we were in the 1800s. And the impacts of this are showing in both in the actual temperatures, but things like sea level rise. Do you have a great idea? Weather events, uh, storms, floods, hurricanes. And one of the issues that this COP is going to be addressing more, at least based on the media, I'm not 
there, I'm not planning, I won't be there, um, is that the need to address the issue of what we call, well, basically climate change adaptation. Uh, The reality is that uh, the climate is warming already. It's not something of the future. It's it's happening now, and the uh, inputs of all these greenhouse gases is such that if you think of it, carbon dioxide is the, the most important one in the sense of what we're talking about. And it stays in the atmosphere about 100 years, so it's not what we're putting in this year that makes the difference. It's what we've done over the last 100 years collectively around the planet. And the result is that if we stopped greenhouse gas emissions tomorrow, the climate will still warm for the next few decades. Uh, but we have to do that because otherwise it'll warm for decades and decades beyond that and at an even higher rate of warming. Uh, so we need to, and as I understand it, there's a lot of pressure from developing countries, appropriately those who are being, let's say, poorer developed countries who don't have the resources, they're much more exposed in the issues of sea level rise, flooding, drought situations, whatever the issues are, uh, and... Largely speaking, they didn't cause it. You know, they their ambitions are so small that it didn't make any difference. Whereas the most of the emissions came from what you'd call the developing countries. Sorry, developed countries. Yeah, I think I heard something yesterday saying that uh, you know all of the countries in Africa, their global contribution to all of this is about four percent, um, but they face the most dire consequences from it. So uh, your point is well taken. Um, yeah, no, I mean it's uh, that when I give talks, I often refer to this perhaps too complicatedly, wise, but as being a, an issue of intergenerational and international equity and ethics. You know, what are we doing? As you say, I mean the the numbers as you just quoted, the the South African, well, the total numbers I've got on this map show Africa, total of Africa, 7%. North okay. America, 23%. Right, yeah. You know, and the Middle East, 2%. South, you know, uh, so if you add up uh, North America, Europe, Eastern Asia, and I, that's China, Japan, etc., or China, uh, you know, you're... You're, at, you're close to 100%. Well, you're over 50% anyway. Um, COP26, a number of resolutions came out, and we heard so much about the urgency and how we were out of time, and we needed to act now, and we need to do things. uh, It was already too late. So where did we go on the COP26 resolutions? How are we we going in terms of implementing what came out of this one year ago? Well, I don't think... I think the unfortunate reality is that we're not moving it ahead as we, as a lot of countries said they would do. I mean, Canada's uh, action on reducing emissions has been much promised, but not much delivered so far. We're still not moving any closer to where we need to be in terms to meet our own targets. Uh, we need to be reducing our emissions. The emissions in Canada are... Well, 15 or 20, depending on whose numbers you believe, uh, tons per person compared to that of uh, you know, an African or even even most of the European countries, Germany and France and those places are around 7 or 8 tons per person. And since you're in Edmonton, I can say that the Calgary, that the tons per person in Alberta and Saskatchewan are about 60 to 70 tons per person compared to Ontario and Quebec, which are around 10. 
Okay, uh, Gordon, I always appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for your time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.